Are you ready to make a real difference in the world and especially to the people around you? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast, where we celebrate the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. We welcome you to another conversation that we believe will provide you with the insight and inspiration you need on your journey. Here's your host, Kevin Monroe. Here we are at episode 125 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. You know me, I'm your host, Kevin. I want to say happy holidays. If you're listening in real time or near real time to the release of this podcast, you know that we're in the throes of the holiday season and year-end 2019. So I just want to pause and wish you the best and brightest of the holiday season. Most likely I'll be doing a holiday episode of some sort next week since our usual release date of the podcast would be on Christmas Eve. And we just want to be mindful of that and that you might be doing something different over the holiday season. Hey, while we've just aired one episode with the new intro and positioning, I'm loving the way you are responding to this. I emailed some people the week before we did that that I know listened to the podcast and I asked to what degree do they relate with choosing the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. And wow, was I blown away by several responses. One of my favorites was a text that came immediately and here's what it said. Yes, that is me. More like H-E double hockey stick. Yeah, that is so me. Hey, and then earlier today, the day I'm recording this, not the day you're listening, I received a message from John, a new friend who's become a listener to the podcast. We just met a couple of weeks ago at The Circuit, the co-working space where I hang out on occasion, and he messaged me this morning on LinkedIn and said, thanks, Kevin. I'm thoroughly enjoying your podcast. I've started listening from your humble beginnings and want to listen to each episode. I've only done this with one other podcast. So thanks, John. I warned him that we're now on what I like to call probably version 5.0 of the podcast. As my vision for what we're doing has clarified, and that has continued just in these last couple of weeks around this road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. And so today's conversation is one I'm thrilled about. It's one we designed just for you. And I mean that. Our guest today, Tim Arnold, is talking to us in a way he's never talked about his book before. Because you see, like me, it's people like you, those who have chosen the road less traveled, those who are passionate about making a difference in the world, that are his real audience as well. So this may hit close to home. And hopefully it will resolve some issues you've been wrestling with for some period of time now. I know I have and just not getting the resolution you've longed for. So here we go. Hey, Tim Arnold, I am thrilled. Just so excited to have you join us for this episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, it's going to be fun. And Tim, I always aspire, sometimes I fall short, but I always aspire to give credit where credit is due and thank people for making connections because this world is a relational world. So I just want to thank Christy Kern, for seeing something and saying, hey, the two of you really ought to connect. So thank you, Christy. And we've had fun connecting. We sure have. So Tim, there's a lot we're going to talk about today. But before we even get there, 
around here, we seek to ground every conversation in the good soil of gratitude. So mm -hmm. this morning, as you and I are connecting, and it is morning when we're connecting, I don't know what time of day it is when you are listening to this, you listening, but we're connecting in a morning. So Tim, what are you grateful for this morning? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Right now, in this very moment, I'm looking out the window at a beautiful snowy December day. So I am beautiful for the changing season right now. It's an interesting question. We're in our family in a situation of providing care to a quite sick relative. And long story short, it's not a fun season. And yet, somebody said to me just the other day, they said it just flippantly, but they said, you know, good things come from bad things. And I've been thinking about that a lot. And I thought, you know what, if I stand back right now, I probably have never been more clear on the circle of friendships, neighbors, family members who really step up. The last few weeks have been quite, quite profound in just the amount of support that we are surrounded by. And yeah, it's just not the best time right now, but certainly grateful for the incredible circle of support that I get to be part of. Wow. I never cease to be amazed in what kind of just riches, jewels come out of people answering that question mm -hmm. about what are you grateful for now? And I love that. We could do a whole conversation just about that good things coming out of difficult situations and circumstances in life. So I don't know, maybe that will come up in a moment. It's a great. It's a great conversation. Absolutely. So Tim, as I mentioned, Christy introduced us. It's just been a couple of weeks ago that we met and wow, did we find synergies and synchronicities in our journeys and some of those frame this conversation. So you've written a book, and this is an audio podcast, but I mean, I've got the book in my hand here where you and I are on Zoom, The Power of Healthy Tension. And I'm delighted to say, and you listening, you know that it did pass this test or we wouldn't be talking about it here on the podcast, but it passes the test. That means I read it. Actually, I read it just last Saturday afternoon in a single sitting. So mm -hmm. it is a small enough book that you could read through it on a flight or you could read through it in a morning or an afternoon. And I do recommend you listening that you read it as well. So that's why Tim and I are here exploring it. So Tim, just give us a little context or background that you think is helpful for those listening before we get into the book about you, who you are, the work you do, any of that that would provide context to this conversation. Sure. You know, I got into the kind of field or space of team building and leadership development right outside of my undergrad. So this is going back a number of years now and was fortunate to have you know, great opportunities to do lots of work with just diverse groups of leaders and teams. And I have to say that I felt that there was another chapter happening in my life. And after about 10 years of consulting, I made a bit of a shift and took on what I thought was just a short-term project to start up a 40-bed homeless shelter. Mm. So I went from kind of this corporate consulting space, working all over the world with clients from kind of small startups to the United Nations, to all of a sudden having what felt like a 180 in my life and career to starting up this kind of small 40-bed homeless shelter. And I kind of thought that you know, all these concepts and models and theories that I was so passionate about helping others learn and teaching, especially this concept of tension, 
thought, man, I guess I'm just leaving that behind. I'm taking on this new path now. Mm. But in that new path of getting the shelter off the ground, I realized, I was kind of humbled by the fact that in some ways, all those years were preparing me for this new path. And with the intent of really trying to make a difference in the best way I knew how of reaching out to the folks who often were falling through the cracks of our communities, this specifically, this concept of healthy tension became a bit of a lifeline for me. I started to realize that to truly, to truly make a difference and to really see some of these higher purposes that we aspire to move towards without this understanding of the underlying tensions. And in life, we often assume tension's a bad thing, so we avoid it or ignore it. But instead, learning to even get comfortable going beyond that, even embracing some of these tensions, it turned out to be make it or break it for me. And, you know, as we've been talking and I've been digging into the work that you have kind of committed your life to, you reach out to folks across the world that are for whatever reason, choosing a path often less traveled and often there's just a lot of easier paths to choose. And I think that for folks that really are trying to live with purpose and really trying to pursue and reach these higher purposes, this conversation of embracing key tensions and really learning to leverage them is just so important. Indeed it is. And you listening, you probably just heard a lot of the reasons why Tim and I connected at such a deep level. He's talking higher purpose. He's talking about the road less traveled or path less traveled, talking about making a difference. Those are all of those synergies that we found. But, And that's one of the things we want to talk about today. But I just can't let this one pass, Tim, because I believe so many of you listening may be able to relate to this. And that is when we go into a new season of life, it's really easy to think that we're making a break from everything past rather than all of a sudden we realize, golly, everything, and I mean everything in our past prepared us for what is here now. Mm. And sometimes we just miss that. We don't think it's a new chapter. We think it's a new book, a different book. Oh, I'm done with that season of life. This next season of life is a totally another book. No, it's just a different chapter, but it's the same book. The same storyline is following through. Yeah, I would agree and affirm that. I would even go further to say if that's even more true when you are deliberately choosing to live a purpose-oriented life. When you're saying, you know what, there are easier paths, there are other options, but I'm actually going to, I use the term a lot in my circle, you know, I'm gonna lead against the current. I'm gonna actually choose to go upstream and you know, it might be easier just to drift and float along, but I'm gonna really try to do what I feel called to do. Um, I think when that's the case, you should just, live with the assumption that everything up until this point has prepared you for this moment, both the good and the bad. <laughs> and I missed that. I actually came to a place again when I went from international consulting and training to this small little group of folks saying, hey, we're going to try to get this shelter up and running. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is a one door closed, another one open. And looking back, like, oh man, no, I was just 
kind of moving forward in the right direction. Hmm. Oh, I really just think there's somebody that ought to just push pause and just soak on that one a minute. Just let that sit in. And Tim, I'm wondering, have you written a blog post or done anything with this? How years as an international consultant prepared me to lead a homeless shelter? <laughs> I haven't done blog posts. It's interesting. My book came out after, I mean, I was at the shelter. I thought I was going to be there just for a while. I ended up being there almost 10 years. And, you know, that was really the years that I felt that I was given the gift of this, just this reality, how critical key tensions are to understand and to really tap into. So really the short book that you mentioned is really focused on that fact, the reality of, wow, all of that journey before was kind of preparing me to apply it to real challenging situations, really, really hard things that Often other people just want to ignore, but man, now I see why some of these things that I thought were interesting are actually critical. They're just so important to, to put into play. Okay, so we're talking about healthy tension. What is it? How do we define um, that, describe that for people that are kind of like, okay, I think I know, maybe I understand, but let's just tease it out a moment. Let me start by telling you what it isn't <laughs> because most of us, and I'm going to assume that the majority of the folks listening, you know, we see the world through what I would refer to as a problem solving lens. And really what that means is that we see things as from an either or perspective, you know, it's something, any challenge I face, you know, there's a right and a wrong answer. And we don't, often think about this, but that's conditioned in us before we could even speak. We are infants and our parents immediately are teaching us what's safe from unsafe. And all of a sudden we enter the school system and we're taught kind of what's correct and incorrect. And I know that if I can just choose the right kind of correct answer, I get that gold star, right? Well, then we enter into our teenage years and our parents and our communities start to teach us there's really things that make a good and a bad person you know, morals and values. And there's this path that you choose and that will dictate if you're a good or bad person. So what happens is we get to this reality of being an adult somewhere, whether we thought about it or not, started to believe that if I can just choose the right answer every time, I'm safe, I'm correct, and I'm good. And Kevin, I want to be super clear on this. That's a good thing. Please Please know I am not here to chat about deconstructing and replacing problem solving either or thinking. It's critical in life. All I would argue is it's incomplete because the reality is there's other situations in our work, in our relationships, at home that aren't problems to solve, but I would say instead tensions to manage. And when I say tensions to manage, I'm talking about we have to be able to hold two things in tension. Rather than either or, we have to start leaning on the word and. You know, it's not structure or flexibility, it's structure and flexibility. You know, it's not, should I embrace this change or should I hold on to tradition? It's no, how do I do both embracing this opportunity while holding on to what works? You know, as someone who is really dedicated to living a life of purpose and taking a difference-making approach. You know, a lot of times we feel like, well, that means that I've got to make trade-offs at home. Mm. 
well, no, what would that look like if it's like, no, that means I need to pay more attention to this reality of work and home. Not only that, in a life that's often focused on others, mm-hmm. I got to make sure I'm also focused on myself. And what do I need so I can be a difference maker to other people? You know, there are these tensions. And I mean, it's interesting because I've done some research around this around the world and in cultures all over the world, tension or the equivalent word generally immediately has connotations of negativity. Mm. Tensions are bad. I've tested this. I have everything from tension means unhealthy conflict to stress to some people it's visceral, like tight shoulders. Tensions are bad, which means you avoid them or you ignore them or you assume something's wrong. Mm. What I would say is that certainly there's truth to that on some levels and there's a whole lot of tensions that are actually life-giving. The best example, Kevin, would be this gift that all of us are given the moment we enter in this world. You know, We have this higher purpose of a thriving life, but the only way that we can live that out is to constantly manage this tension between inhaling and exhaling. 20,000 times a day. We don't choose inhale or exhale. I can't wake up and say, you know what? I think I'm gonna inhale today. I think that's my answer. No, it's like your body just knows that to really have this life-giving breath that fuels our cells and gives us energy, we just got to somehow live in this tension between inhaling and exhaling. And you know what? What I challenge folks to look at is some of these tensions in our lives, both at work and at home, that we are ignoring or avoiding. Instead, we need to embrace them almost like breathing. And say, hey, if I've got a higher purpose, if I've got some aspirational goals, there's going to be some underlying tensions. Yeah. And if I ignore those, it's going to literally be like holding my breath. I just won't be able to achieve these higher level visions and aspirations that I have. Oh, Tim, there is just so much here. I want to pause and recap one thing that you said very early there. Problem solving is a great skill to have. And it's a great toolkit to develop. The challenge is when we just look at everything as a problem. Mm -hmm. And what you say, what you're saying here, what you say in the book is not everything is a problem to be solved. Mm -hmm. And when we attempt to treat tensions to manage as problems to solve, we create additional challenges in our life. Can I give you a couple examples of that? Because my guess is that I don't need to explain to your audience this concept of problem solving. Research would say you solve hundreds of problems a day from responding to emails to deciding what you're going to have to lunch to making really big decisions around organizations. So we do that well. And when it comes down to facts, policies, rules, guidelines, right, wrong, good, bad, fantastic. Problem solving is the way that you should kind of navigate your day, your work, your life. The challenge is that there are some situations that we face where the complexity is more than right and wrong. And that kind of choosing one side, although it may even feel good, long-term, it's going to work against us. I mean, I'll give you an example at work and home and both real brief, but I just want to stress, this isn't just a work thing. My wife and I were expecting our first, and we were quite taken back, Kevin, by the unexpected amount of parenting advice we were offered. (laughs) The people kind of, as soon as we announced we were expecting, people kind of came out of the woodwork with, books and theories and models but it was interesting because we were sponges at first we were reading the books and going to the websites they were sending us to but it felt like after a while that people wanted us to pick a side 
You know, it, it felt like you either had to choose more of the structure side to parenting. And, you know, folks would give me books on the Ferber approach and the reality of sleep cycles and routines and consistency. That made sense to me until the next person said, ooh, no, 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 no. It's actually, it's more about attachment parenting. It's all about flexibility. You know, you talk about genetic predispositions of children and how that's who they are. Your job as a parent is to modify your approach based on that. And generally, Becky and I are like, oh my gosh, is it structure or is it flexibility? Like, what side are we going to choose? Until one night, we decided to put the books away and instead invite a bunch of people over to our house that we admired their parenting. We didn't tell them why, but they all came. So we had this big dinner party at our house, told them, Okay, gang, you didn't know this tonight, but you were invited here with an agenda. So they're just kind of weirded out by us at this point. <laughs> but we told them our dilemma. We said, you know what? We're kind of lost. We're a couple months away from our first child. All we want to hear tonight are stories of when you've been winning. Mm-hmm. Just tell us when you've been winning. I don't want to hear what you've done wrong. I don't want to hear what you do different. Just tell us when you've been really crushing it as parents. And it was interesting because it started slow, but we heard countless stories that night. But at the end of the night, Two things stood out to Becky and I as we were kind of recapping. One, it was the very first time that no one told us what side we had to choose. No one gave us the book we had to read or the model or the seven steps or the five habits. They didn't give us the solution to the parenting problem, which is a little frustrating because that's what I wanted. At the same time, when we stood back from all the stories we heard, and there were a lot of stories from like one day with one kid to years, you know, with a family. They all kind of pointed to the same idea. On one hand, we've been incredibly structured. You know, we've been consistent. We've had routines. There's been consequences. If it was a couple, we were on the same page. But here's the thing. What worked with this kid didn't work with this kid. You know, what worked with that kid didn't work the next year. You know, big ideas. We have been winning or we are at our best as parents, not when we're flexible or structured, but when somehow we've learned to live in this tension between flexibility and structure. Hmm. I had a seven and nine year old and I got to tell you, I think they were onto something and it's unsolvable. It's not going away and we're always working on it. But the question is, rather than picking a side, what does it look like for us as parents to live on both sides, Hmm. to live in, to kind of embrace both? A work example that might bring this to life as well is, you know, in the shelter, you talk about higher purposes. We started this shelter and we thought, you know what, we're going to be about a few, we use the word higher purposes. Sometimes people use core aspirational values. And I thought, this is great. My whole team's unified. We're all aligned. Everyone's on the same page. So we had words like love and fairness and acceptance. And that was great. We put these words on the wall and we talked about them at orientations, but It took me all of weeks, if not a month, to realize that as much as we were aligned on these higher purposes, we were very divided in how they lived themselves out. Hmm. We had this kind of core value or higher purpose of fairness. And we said, you know, whether you're someone from the streets, whether you're someone from the community partners that we work with, we just want this place to reflect an environment of justice and fairness. And everyone agreed with that. But... What I realized is what you thought fairness looked like and what I thought fairness looked like was very different. And, you know, I realized that my managers who kind of ran the floor and tried to keep the place operating smoothly, they said, well, fairness is actually consistency. You know, fairness is that people know what's expected. There's no favoritism. You know, there's house rules. There's order. Well, that was great until you talk to our coaches. And our coaches, 
were people who worked with all of our homeless friends one-on-one and they'd say, wait a minute, you know, what's appropriate to ask of this person is completely inappropriate to ask of this person. And, you know, based on the trauma or the health conditions of this person, they need really specialized care. Fairness isn't that everyone gets the same thing. It's that everyone gets what they need. So, you know, I would argue fairness isn't consistency, it's individuality. Mm. And it felt literally like we were in a tug of war. Is it fairness? Is it consistency? Or is it individuality? Until, similar to what we're talking about this morning, we realized, gang, maybe, just maybe, if we really are trying or aspiring to this higher purpose of a community of fairness, maybe that's never going to be real for us until we're willing to live in the tension of consistency and individuality. Hmm. You know, maybe this is actually a tension that instead of avoiding or assuming that someone's doing something wrong, we should be affirmed that this is the tension we're here to manage. Hmm. This is the work we're called to do. And, you know, to the point that if we're having staff meetings and we're not sensing and feeling a bit of this tension between kind of consistency and individuality, somebody else should probably be doing this work. This is the work we're here to do. And what happens is the moment you shift from assuming that you have to choose a side to realizing that instead, you know, our goal is to actually hold those things in tension, you know, not to compromise, not to give up on both sides, but to embrace both fully, man, then all of a sudden our higher purpose, it's almost like that breath of life gets breathed into those purposes. That for me turned out to be just such a, critical, critical foundational element um, into really living with purpose and really aspiring towards these really complex, but I think important kind of goals and aspirations that we had. Oh, Tim, there's just so much goodness there. So I want to unpack a couple of those. One that I want to just kind of push a pause button a moment and say you, in this story you just told, you illustrated a challenge most organizations have, and I'm going to say most organizations that seek to be values-based organizations have, and that is that they have chosen words about the value without digging in far enough to define what that means for us or what that looks like here. So I'm not necessarily asking you to discuss that. I just want to call that out. I think you're bang on. Again, going way back to when I was entering my career in the team building world and walk into a different organization, sometimes every day, if not every week, and people would say, oh, here's our values. You know, we're all about teamwork. We're all about respect. You know, we're all about trust. We're really about collaboration. And although those values were on the wall, and you certainly saw it in their mission statement, you talk to people down the hall, and they'd say, well, you know, that's not really how it works here. And it wasn't that people don't mean those values. It's not that we don't want those things to be real. I think what we miss is that in some ways, rather than calling values, you probably appreciate this, I'd almost say they're higher purposes. These are things we're aspiring to. Here's the thing though, if we don't get our head around the underlying tensions that we need to manage in order to live those out, Hmm. all they are is words. Yeah. All they you are. know, if we don't realize that they're just words. Yeah, everyone says, who doesn't say that they don't want trust in their organization? Well, everyone says that. But you know what that means on a day-to-day level? It means that somehow I've got to live in the tension between 
unconditional acceptance and conditional acceptance. What that means is on one level, Kevin, no matter what you do ever, you can bring yourself to work. You can bring your whole self. You can bring the beautiful part of you and the part that might frustrate me. I will accept you and I expect that you accept me. And there's an element of just, we just accept people, period. Here's the thing though. We also are going to hold that intention with conditional acceptance, which means we're going to hold each other accountable to be our very best selves. So that's a harder thing to do, you know, to say, this isn't just about trust. It's actually, can we be, if I was to use different words, can we be both accepting and accountable in that you're accepted period, but we're also going to hold each other accountable to be our best. Well, once that happens, Google recently released information on their most effective teams. And they said, well, the number one thing these teams had was psychological safety. People felt accepted. They didn't question their acceptance. And I think that's brilliant. I believe that that safety only stays safe if we also know that people will also hold each other accountable to be their best. And that, you know, what you're saying to me in terms of expectations is also what you're saying behind my back, that we're free to do that. I'm kind of going down a rabbit trail here. I just say that it's so rare that organizations or individuals even go beyond these kind of beautiful aspirational words and dig into those underlying tensions that say, gang, but this is what we're wrestling with. And rather than assume that wrestling of these tensions are bad or that we're doing something wrong, let's accept that this is just the business we're in. This is the work that we're called to do. So rather than ignore these tensions, let's acknowledge them. And let's actually learn how to tap into them. Let's leverage them. And I'm just going to put a footnote here again. Tim, I'm like you. I used to be a lot more structured in the way I approach conversations here because, as you listening have heard me say before, I've never met a bunny trail that I could resist, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm three bunny trails down. I'm like, well, where were we going? But I do want to just mention the issue is It's got to go beyond just words because the words don't mean the same thing to everyone. If your values are just words and you go, oh yeah, it's integrity, it's trust, it's whatever that is, it's honesty, it's authenticity. Well, people on your team are understanding that, expressing and experiencing it differently. So we've got to go beyond words. Okay, I've got to call out something that is happening here. I invited you into this, but I want you listening to know and to know that we've already applied a filter to this conversation. And as we go deeper, I want to call it out a little bit more because the conversation where I think the conversation is going to go, again, I love Tim's book, but I said, hey, Tim, what if we just kind of talked about the tensions that difference makers manage. Because there are all of these tensions that are common to all of us. And you referenced this a few minutes ago. And I'd ask you to do that. And Tim, then last Saturday morning, I knew you were all in when you sent me an email at 6.30 in the morning saying, (laughs) my mind is racing. And I've started thinking about what does this book, The Power of Healthy Tension, what does that mean? more specifically to people choosing the road less traveled, people wanting to live a life that makes a difference, a life of higher purpose. Mm. Thank you for doing that. And where do you want to go with that conversation now with this? Well, it was incredibly encouraging and affirming timing when we were connected because it's something that 
I have been for quite some time thinking a lot about, and that is not just this concept of healthy tension, but specifically applied to folks. And I use the word leader, and that's a loaded word. I'm using leader in terms of people who are choosing to move things forward, people who are choosing to make the world around them, deliberately choosing to make the world around them a better place, whether that's for an organization or for the next door neighbor who needs a hand people who are living to really make a difference. And I started to pay attention to something as I worked in the shelter, I started to look around at people who'd been kind of in this, we use the word, the load, the road less traveled, or as I said, I often lately have been using the word like leading against the current, kind yeah, of just yeah. pushing things forward. I think that's the type of person I'm talking about, but I started to look at folks who really had been doing that for quite some time. And even in my work, both as a you know, shelter director and now as a speaker who privileged to be able to go all over the world to wonderful opportunities and speak, I've actually had a chance to meet a lot of people whose books I've read and whose podcasts I've heard. And the one thing that actually has surprised me and not in a good way is some of these people who have made a difference, either they're just bitter <laughs> this road less travel leading against the current has just kind of resulted in this kind of baseline anger at the world, at the system, at injustice, or they just give in. You know, they realize that, you know what, there's just easier paths. You know, I'm going to instead I'll continue to donate to XY charity and I'll go to these fundraisers. But this idea of living against the current, is just too hard. Mm -hmm. And I started to realize, you know, as I focused on folks that didn't take those paths, that didn't end up bitter or didn't throw in the towel, they were people who, in my opinion, had somehow learned to live in and even leverage a few key tensions mm. that I think a lot of other leaders ignore. Mm. So, I mean, ultimately, and I'll give you just a couple examples of this, but I think that if folks are looking to truly aspire to higher purposes, to make a difference, to lead kind of on the road less traveled or against the current, there are some tensions that you better be prepared to, first of all, experience, because I'd say they're unavoidable, but rather than to feel beat up by them, learn to leverage them, learn to tap into them. I love that phrase and that thinking, right? Learn to leverage these. Mm. Yeah. We leverage things that aren't going away. Mm, absolutely. We manage. I mean, we can solve other things, but these we have to leverage because they're not going away. So, okay, two things. One, you've documented now 20 plus, 30 plus tensions people need to manage, but you also just use this word. They're key tensions for each of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting, if you look at, I mean, I studied under Dr. Barry Johnson, who wrote the book Polarity Management. If you look at the work of Jim Collins, I mean, there is so much literature out there for decades on this concept. And at the end of the day, what that means is whether you know it or not, I could give you a very long list of tensions that you're managing, especially if you're someone who's trying to make a difference. It's not helpful for you to have that list and say, oh, goodness, now I got to manage all these tensions. First of all, you're already doing it. You wouldn't be listening right now if you weren't managing these tensions. The second thing is out of that long, long list, there's probably only a couple that are make it or break it. For whatever reason, in the work you do or in your team, there's a couple that are just 
make it or break. In our shelter, for example, I told you about this tension of consistency and individuality. The other one that we said, hey, gang, we got to get our head around this because on one hand, we want this place to be fun. We had rec programs every day. We did you know, everything from a choir on Wednesday to rock climbing on Tuesday. We did celebrations and birthdays, karaoke once a month. And if you haven't done homeless karaoke, you've not really lived. I'll tell you that right now. So we want this place to be a refuge from a rough life. And hmm. we have to be mindful that for people every single day living in this building, this is life or death. Hmm. And there are some people that right now, you know, singing karaoke is not what they're looking to do. So if we're really going to serve folks and we use the higher purpose is we're going to be a community that resembles a healthy home, mm. you know, not a, maybe a building, but a place that really exhibits the safety and camaraderie and community of a home. That means that we're going to have to get our head around and leverage this tension between fun and seriousness. Mm. If we overdo one to the neglect of the other, it's kind of like inhaling and holding. It. Mm. It'll work for a while, but it's going to work against us long term. So what we want to get comfortable with is being able to, you know, even push on each other to say, how do we get the upsides or the values of both, but realize that for us, that's a key. Sometimes I use the word, that's a crux tension. That's a make it or break it tension. And that's not going to relate to your listeners. I know that, but I will tell you this, all of you, there's one to three tensions that you may not have identified, you may not have named it, but you're already managing it. And if you could name it, and if you could say, hey, I am just going to be relentless on not just naming it, but leveraging by tapping into this tension, all of a sudden we start to feel this momentum towards the higher purpose pickup. We're like, oh, this is actually how we get there. You know, this is in some ways the life, it's the breath that kind of allows us that higher purpose to come to life. And I have lots to choose from, but, you know, I think just a couple examples of that. I think if you are, you know, someone who is really not just living for the bottom line or the bottom line being profit, that means you're choosing, you're actually choosing the tension of profit and purpose. Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we refer to that of mission and margin. Mm -hmm. And you know, what happens sometimes is we swing to one side and say, oh, it's not about dollars and cents. It's actually about making a difference. And it's about loving people or bring our organization these new values, but we do that so much that we neglect the dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, we realize that this thing isn't scalable. This thing isn't even sustainable. So it doesn't mean that we swing to the other side. What it does mean is, hey, if we move this forward, we've got to make sure that we're focusing on both mission and margin or profit and purpose. Mm -hmm. Because the more that we focus on each side, Actually, the more the other side wins, you know, the more I can make this thing float from a bottom line, even a profitable perspective, the more people I can impact. Yeah. It's a both and another one. This is one that's more of a personal one. But I realized for me, it's interesting, I left corporate world and I left this consulting role to jump into this role of leading a shelter. I didn't know this, but I realized in retrospect, I kind of assumed that that would be a congratulated and applauded. And if there was any kind of narcissism, I think I tapped into it then. What shocked me was the amount of criticism I was about to receive. Mm. I had no concept that immediately when you start to tackle some of the issues that other people choose to ignore, 
Mm. Other people also have easy answers on how those problems should be tackled. Mm. So it wasn't a day where someone didn't agree with our model towards homelessness or how addiction should be dealt with. And as leaders, as you know, often you make decisions that you'd love to be totally candid, but just for respect of individual privacy or you just can't tell everything. You just got to kind of say, hey, this is the call and I just got to hold on to this. And just the criticism, whether it came from individuals or sometimes in the press. And what I realized was, and I'm kind of borrowing from some of Brene Brown's work here, but as a leader, I better learn to, on one hand, care about what the right people think, mm. but I only got to do that in a way that doesn't care about what everyone else thinks. Mm. <laughs> and it's important that I realize who's in each camp, because if all of a sudden I don't care what anyone thinks, that's a bad thing. And that leaves me very vulnerable. That leaves my organization vulnerable. The thing is, if I care what everyone thinks, I literally won't sleep at night. Mm. I'm going to be an unhappy person because I can't do this work and please everyone. Mm. We can't kind of believe in this model that we believe not for the world, but for us is the right approach and not have it criticized for people who may choose a different approach. So again, it just meant, okay, then I need to realize for me as a leader right now, I've got to hold on every day and work to manage this tension of really looking to care about what the right people think but also learn to not care about what others think. Those are just examples. You know, I could list more flexibility, but also being structured, embracing change and innovation, but never doing that to the neglect of what works and what you're known for. So Tim, I saw another one on the list that I want to ask about for a friend. Okay. I just have this really good friend <laughs> who has struggled with this at points in his life. Sure. We'll leave his name out of this. Yeah, feel free to connect me anytime. <laughs> I think we're connected at the moment. No, idealistic and realistic. Mm. That's a great one. And actually, that's borrowing from Jim Collins' work from Good to Great because he was talking about the exact same concept. And I will say that a lot of times, especially my guess is a lot of folks who are listening today probably lean towards the idealistic side. You know, we do want to change the world, whether that's in our organization, whether that's in a not-for-profit, whether that's in our neighborhood. We want to make a difference. And we want to do it at a sometimes a grand scale or a 10 at a 10 level. And we should. We should hold on to those values. We have to hold those intention, though, with what can be done right now and what can be done effectively. Mm. And idealistic and realistic, actually, its first cousin is short-term, long-term. You know, right now in the short term, what is realistic, not to the neglect of what could be, but what can we do right now? And if all we do is focus on realistic, we never tap into the power of vision and we never start to challenge systems that actually need to be challenged. I'm working with a friend right now and actually it's someone who came through our homeless shelter. He's a First Nations individual here in Canada and overcame such adversity in his life. And he kind of came through homelessness, went, got his grade 12. Then he went to university. He just graduated with a degree. Now he's in this incredible circle of funders and government partners and community partners that are helping him start a healing facility and residential facility for Aboriginal men in addictions and homelessness. It's going to literally be one of a kind in our province. And this is the man who lives in idealistic. He lives in vision. 
And his model is actually a 60-bed residential facility. And, and this was a lot of work, and I think a real test of humility for him, it's going to start out probably as a six-bed program. Mm. And that for him was so hard to, uh, but it, the vision is 60 beds. And the question though is, but does 60 beds need to start with six beds? Mm. And how do we realize that if we're realistic now, that's not to the neglect of idealism. That's not to the neglect of vision. It's actually a path to it. And I especially think when we're, I have a friend who runs a for-profit company. He's got about 500 staff in four countries. And he's moved the organization towards a lot of self-management principles. So really, really towards empowerment. And I don't want to interrupt you, Tim, but you just have to say that again. Because there are people here that, I know I'm one of those that at times that I, gosh, the path. Mm. That's a tension, right? That not getting there fast enough is failure. Mm -hmm. So say that again about the path. I think all of us everywhere have a desire to make a difference. Yeah. I think some people choose to listen to that more than others. Mm. And the reality is probably folks listening today are folks who are choosing to listen to that nudge that life is about living beyond self, making a difference, aspiring to higher purposes. And normally that person leans towards idealism, leans towards vision, leans towards how the world should be. And that's a good thing. What will allow that to become more realized is when we hold that intention with what currently is and what needs Baby to be done to get there. Baby steps to get there and what needs to be done tomorrow. And even when those things aren't aligned with how you'd like it to be, it needs to be right now. And often, I mean, I came into the shelter with these visions of hundreds of volunteers and recreational programs every day. And I'm so delighted that we've been fortunate enough to see a lot of those things realized a decade later. But you know what that looked like for me for the first year? Working a lot of night shifts by myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and cooking a lot of meals because our cook quit. Mm. And being realistic to stay gang, we've got to make some hard decisions around budget right now. Because even though we want this down the road right now, we got to keep this thing afloat. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is sometimes as an idealistically biased person, when we're dealing with reality, we assume something's wrong, that I'm failing. Because either or problem solving thinking means pick a side. Well, if idealism is my only side, then anything other than the ideal is failure. Once we embrace more of an and perspective, we start to realize that those things come together. It's like inhaling and exhaling and absolutely 100%. I want to hold on to the ideal, the vision, kind of the way things should be. And that will always need to be held in tension to the way things are right now and what needs to be done tomorrow. And that's a hard thing a lot of times for us to, to get our head around. Tim, this is such a deep, rich, fun and fulfilling conversation for me and you listening and our time's getting away from us. I agree with you that folks are managing these tensions. They just may not have been aware that they were managing them. So well, next steps. Yeah. What are a couple that you'd recommend? 
Sure. Well, we didn't talk about this. So the one thing that I'd like to say is somehow I will, I mean, I've sent you a list of the tensions that I think are super important. If at all possible, it'd be great to just get that to the world. <laughs> so let's find a way to get that out there. Just put those in the show notes. And on there as well, I will include just some practical resources folks can look into. You know, obviously I have a book, but there's lots out there. This is not something that I stumbled on on my own. I was fortunate to be invited into this concept that have really been looked at for centuries. So there's really wonderful resources that you can read about, podcasts you can listen to, to, again, not give up your problem-solving thinking, but to complement it, to expand it with this and thinking. So I think the first thing is let's put those tensions up in the show notes. And obviously the power of healthy tensions and easy read, that's an option. And I'll also include in there a few next steps of resources that exist that folks I think will really benefit from. Okay. What else? As we realize we've got to land this plane for now, we may not have gotten totally as far as we wanted to go, which that's great. That gives us an opportunity to do this again, Tim. I'm looking forward to that. What else do you want to say that allows you to just really be at peace with this conversation today? Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate that question. I've been focusing and quite passionate about this conversation around tensions for uh, almost two decades now. And I would love to tell you that in those decades, the world has become more comfortable with tension, you know, that the world has become more unified. I feel, however, that I have probably more data pointing to the fact that we're actually becoming more polarized around the world where something happened a number of years ago with social media and internet, all allowing us to kind of choose our news sources, kind of dictate where we want to focus our energy. And what that means is folks are becoming more and more affirmed in their point of view, their side. And with this kind of problem solving, right, wrong, default, you know, what we're finding is that I'm not going to get into politics, but even if we got into politics, conversations that we may have been able to have a decade ago with different points of view, but great conversations, now we're actually shying away from. You know, we're actually becoming less and less comfortable with different points of view. Tension is becoming more and more of a bad word. And I think what I would say is, at the very least, challenge people to be open to the fact that tension, different points of view, resistance, as opposed to being something that is a bad thing, it actually can be the very key to allowing you to break through, to allowing you to feel like you're gaining momentum towards these higher purposes. And the shift from either or, right, wrong, good, bad, but expanding that to start to use both and, it literally changes the game. And I'd love for folks just to think about that and to be looking at how they can rather than avoid, start to embrace some key tensions in their life, not just at work, but in their relationships at home. It just makes all the difference. Hmm. Wow. I'm just so grateful to use the grateful word. I'm grateful that we've had this conversation. I'm grateful for the way this conversation unfolded, for the generosity of spirit you're sharing here. So people that want to take a next step and learn more, what's the best place to point them to do that? Hmm. For sure. You know what? You can go to thepowerofhealthytension.com. So just thepowerofhealthytension.com. I've got a lot of free resources there that folks can tap into. 
Power of Healthy Tension also, you can just go to Amazon and it's there for you. And there's a lot of articles on the website that I think you might find really useful that folks can kind of take some next steps. And you know what? Right now for me, we're in December. We're kind of getting into the end of the year. It's a great time for folks at the very least to say, in the year that's coming, what is a tension that I am going to be managing, whether I want to or not? And am I willing to, rather than avoid, embrace it? What would it look like to get the values of both sides? And if you can identify one or two tensions that you're going to tackle head on in the coming year, not to solve it, but to tap into it, you should expect a great year. And that'd be my hope. That'd be my challenge for everyone. What a great challenge. Thank you for joining us, Tim. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. That really was amazing. I love, 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 love the energy and synergy of our conversation today. So you, let me ask you a couple of things. First off, do you now see any issues that you had previously identified as problems to solve? And now you may realize that there were actually tensions to manage? What a breakthrough idea that is. Now, let me carry that a bit further and talk about the key tensions. Did you identify the key tensions as a difference maker that you face? I'd love to know what those are that you identify as your key tensions. Here are mine. You may have heard this because I do have a friend that struggles with this idealism and realism. That's a tension I've balanced for at least 35, 40 years now. Then the other one is purpose and profit. Those are tensions that I deal with regularly. So I'd really love to know, what are those for you? You know, you can let me know. Then there's one more thing I want to ask you before I give you my contacts. What do you plan to do with what you've learned here and heard here today? What's your next step and how can we help? Hey, you know, you can just email me Kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com. You can call or text me 678-744-5111. You can still book your Decade of Difference call by going to kevindemonroe.com slash 2020. That's 2020. kevindemonroe.com slash 2020. Hey, until we connect again, and you know I hope it's sooner rather than later, I do want to encourage you to keep taking your next step on the road less traveled in business, leadership, and life. It will make a difference for you and those around you. What could 10 days of gratitude do for you? Find out what hundreds of people have experienced and make a change that can last a lifetime at thegratitudechallenge.community because it's better when we do things together.